Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Light the fight. And if you're, you know, if you're a listener, you know that obviously David is missing because I would never be the intro person. I don't have like, I don't sing any songs. I don't do any rhyming. I just, I just don't have the same swagger that David does. And so I, you know, I would apologize for that, except for that goes against everything that I'm about to talk about today. (laughs) So I'm, I'm just going to embrace that. Anyway, here we are. So, welcome back to Light the Fight. Um, David has lost his voice today, and so he called me and said, "You're on your own." And I was like, "Okay, what should I talk about?" And you know, this is kind of exciting when I don't have to like get permission from David. Or we don't have to run through anything. I just can go rogue. And so, you know what happens? You're just going to hear. Actually, this is perfect timing because I have something that I think I've tapped into something that I have been missing. And I'm really excited just to like, okay, so David's not here. So I can't like get his like all psychological mumbo jumbo on it. It's just all you're getting here is like my mom's self-discovery tonight. And so, you know, we may have to come back and have like David weigh in. So we'll see what happens. But before I get telling you guys what like my major aha moment was, I just want to give a huge shout out to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS, because they continue to make sure that we come and we share and we love that about them. And quite honestly, Without the glasses that I'm wearing, I wouldn't be able to work, to read the notes. And so it's kind of like a double thankfulness, really. <laughs> um, so anyway, big shout out to our friends at 1-800-CONTACTS. All right, you guys. I'm going to take a deep breath. Um, as I'm recording this, I just got news that my daughter, Quincy, who is on a mission in Houston, where don't worry, two weeks ago, a couple sister missionaries were stabbed. Um, they were not in her mission, and those sisters are healing and recovering. And my gosh, my prayers have been with that family. But I just got off the phone with Quincy, and she's been evacuated because Hurricane Laura is bearing down as we record. <laughs> And so my heart is with those of you who are staring at Hurricane Laura in the face. Um, my gosh. And so I think as a mom, as I'm sitting here, I've got the weather channel on. I've got, you know, live updates coming, streaming in on Twitter and <laughs> in various places just because it's like, 
oh my gosh. But Quincy has been, yesterday she was evacuated from her apartment and um, they're prepared to ride out both the storm and the aftermath. So crazy times, crazy times. Um, the other thing that happened just the last day or so is that my other children that are living in my household started back to school. And you guys, no matter where you're listening, you know how monumental of a thing this is, just the fact that my kids have gone back to school. Um, yes, you know, let alone the fact that they may have social anxieties and school apprehensions. Um, on top of that, you know, it's been months since they've been there. The teachers are freaked out. The administration is not sure how it's going to play out. The masks, the social distancing, the plans, you know, the lunch alone, it's just been kind of an amazing thing. And I got to hand it to everybody involved. Everybody is just um, doing everything they can to create any semblance of normalcy. And, you know, what's interesting is even though I don't know. Have you seen those memes that say, I miss precedented times? Um, even in the most normal of times, the most typical of times, back to school, um, school alone, dealing with pressures of friends, cliques, um, being left out, feeling like you're being talked about, maybe being bullied, like all of these issues that go on um, are struggles in the best of time. And then you kind of layer on all this pandemic stuff. So, you know, I want to talk, I want to actually talk about an age old problem. Like I remember it from when I was young. And I think that even as a mom, even as a grown up, if you can, you can call me a grown up, which I try to, I play one on TV, you know, like there is, there is one issue that continuously strikes. And I, and I swear to you, it doesn't matter like what age you are. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, but just getting sucked into that like comparison game. And, um, you know, we've talked about this here on like the fight a little bit. I'm sure you've had these conversations in your own homes. Um, you know, we naturally compare ourselves to others. In fact, it's so natural, just like breathing. We don't even think about it. I think a lot of times we're not even aware of it. And comparison is just, you know, as David has talked about it before, it's just a human calculating process. It's just how we see the world. We compare A to B and then B to C and then see how, you know, A to C compares. And, and, that's just kind of um, what we do, but it can it can just cause a lot of problems. And in fact, it's interesting. And I guess the reason why I bring this up is is because I have just I have stumbled upon sort of a new way to look at it and think about it. And it happened because I was asked to lead a discussion group for my church my church group. We're meeting in someone's backyard, socially distanced. And, um, you know, we haven't had church. We haven't had activities. We haven't had any interaction. And um, so our ward, 
our group is deciding to try these like outdoor discussion groups while we still kind of have some nice weather. So they asked me to lead a discussion and told me that I didn't have to plan a lesson. So I kind of feel like it's, you know, it's kind of like saying plan a lesson, but really just telling you just to lead a discussion. <laughs> um, but they sent me a link to a talk that's called Wrestling with Comparisons. And it was actually from a BYU devotional um, a little while ago. And it, I mean, it struck a chord with me, right? Um, and it's funny because as a mom, you kind of sit back and your kids come to you through problems and, and you kind of look at it through this lens of, you know, I'm a mom and this isn't going to matter in three years. It's not going to, these aren't going to be your friends in the next little while, or, you know, kind of all these different solutions. But the reality is it doesn't matter where or when or how or why you're dealing with comparisons. And it's, it can be devastating um, to your self-esteem, to your self-worth, to where you feel like you line up in um, your social spheres. Anyway, the solution that is shared in this talk and the discussion that, that I'll lead um, will kind of talk about how this concept of your contest is really only with yourself. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of know that deep down, but it doesn't really make us feel better when we're in a social situation where maybe we don't feel like we're thriving or we don't feel like we're fitting in. Um, the age old trial. And I think probably any of any of you who are listening, if I said to you, have you ever had that feeling that you're just not good enough? You know, we would probably all raise our hands. Have, have we ever at one time in our life felt like we weren't good enough? Have we ever once in, in a month, have we ever three times in a month? Have we ever twice in a week? You know, how often do we feel like we're just not enough? And that really kind of comes down to like, okay, well, compared to my mom, compared to my neighbor, compared to this person that I don't know on the internet, you know, where do, does this thought of I'm just not enough come in. But when you read about depression, anxiety on the internet, and you start reading about struggles, we find that not just teenage, not just adults, but also teenagers are feeling more and more and more like they're not enough. And, you know, we live in a very high, um, what's, what's the word high achieving society. Um, everything moves so much faster. We have so much more, we have access to so much more. And so it just becomes this, like this never ending climb, which can be great. Right. And it can also make you feel like you're just not cutting it. Um, and maybe you're being told that you don't cut it because you don't, make a team or you're being rejected in some, one way or another. So sometimes like when we think about 
okay, the solution is that I should compare myself against who I was yesterday or where I was a year ago. Um, it doesn't always kind of pan out. Well, this is where this kind of big light bulb moment came for me. I would tell you any day of the week, and I'm sure I've told you guys that I really struggle with not feeling like I'm enough. You've heard me talk about it in my mothering, in, in my parenting, in my fitness, in my exercise, in my health. Like the list can go on and on where I can tell you where I feel like I don't measure up. And the reality is I feel like I don't measure up every single night when I go to bed and I think about all the things I didn't accomplish. And I don't even think about the things I did accomplish. I have this major inability to see the good things that happen versus I lay in my bed and think, okay, these are all the things I got to transfer from my list of this is what I hoped I would accomplish to my, to my list tomorrow and hope that I can try to do it again, sort of feeling defeated rather than laying in my bed and saying, wow, I got four things crossed off on this list of 200. You, you know, like I just can't convince myself that it was good enough. I wonder where my kids get it. <laughs> you know, um, I am a really, I want to be a high achieving person. That's like what I value. That's what I, what I want from myself. And, and really there's nobody that's looking over my shoulder, asking me how many things I've accomplished, um, that day. It really does come down to myself. And so if we go back to this whole, like me comparing myself to me, I'm really being the jerk in this whole situation. Which is where exactly where this led me to a concept that I've actually never given much thought to. And all of a sudden it's bright neon lights, me realizing this is where I've got to go to work. And it's um, self-compassion. So I've never really thought about the term self-compassion here. Like if I, you know, we've talked about self-care a lot and we've talked about this concept of best friending ourselves, which is kind of starting to come in on this concept of self-compassion. But I was listening to a new book um, and I don't, like I can't even right now in this minute, I can't really delve with you guys too much into this book because it's another one of these books where I feel like, oh my gosh, we need like a whole Life to Fight book club to talk about it. Um, I'm, listening to, I'm listening to it on Audible and the name of the book is Indistractable. And the author's name is Near... E-Y-A-L. I don't know how to say it. I-L? That's a guess. Okay, so again, the book is indistractable. And let me just open my note because here's what, oops, here's what got me thinking about it. Uh-oh, hold on. I'm opening my, I have notes here, you guys. 
Um, indistractable. So this is a quick, quick cliff notes. And I can't go into it because I haven't finished the book, but my brain has been blown up by this book because, you know, we're at Light the Fight, we're always talking about emotions and how our emotions affect the decisions that we make, the way that we feel. Nir is talking in this book about how our emotions prompt us to look for distractions. Okay. It's fascinating because he talks about kind of the same thing that we're talking about with, with a lot of different things in how like in our human existence, we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to feel pain. And so when we're feeling uncomfortable or pain or sad or lonely or isolated or any of these things, we want out of that pain. And so we look for a distraction. What is it? Is it online shopping? Is it chocolate? Is it binge watching a show? Is it pornography? Is it a game? You know, whatever it is. And anyway, so that was all super fascinating to me. And let's talk about that another time. Let's set a date to talk about that book because all of you, in fact, right now, go download the book, listen to it, go to his website, which is called near and far n i r and far.com. I don't know if it's .com or .org, but you can find it pretty probably quick, pretty quick where he has like a workbook that goes along with this because you guys fascinating, fascinating stuff. Okay. We'll talk about that more, but if you fast forward to chapter eight, he talks about reimagining your temperament and he talks about if his whole premise is that we are looking for distraction to evade our pain, he presents a different alternative of self-compassion. He's suggesting that if we are more compassionate with ourselves, we won't need distraction as much to survive or um, that we won't depend on our distractions to function. Okay. So this is fundamentally like, if I say self-compassion, what do you think? I mean, compassion, we know. Okay. We all know. The compassion is this willingness to to be there for somebody. To you know, it's different from empathy because empathy is when you actually have had that feeling, you know what that feels like. But compassion is like kindness and concern and willingness to be with that person in their hard time. It's feeling for somebody. It's having a tenderness right? It's different than self-esteem. Self-compassion is actually three parts, which is suggested. I found this on the internet. And if you go and this is my assignment for you guys, I don't want you to just take my word for it, but as school starting, and I'm going to share with you what I've learned. And I would love you to go and Google it and add to what I'm, what I'm telling you. But learning how to be compassionate with ourselves as parents. Because we're all coming from the generation of suck it up. And you don't deserve that if you don't work. If you don't feel the pain, you don't get the gain. Like all that kind of like you're never like if you don't pay this incredibly high price, 
you're not worth it, right? That's kind of what we came from. And then when people start talking and David would say like, start padding all the walls and start being all like fluffy and everything. That's where we start to get afraid. Like, oh, maybe we're being too nice to ourselves. Maybe if we're not mean to ourselves, we won't be achievers. Maybe we won't go after the goals. Maybe we won't get what we want because we're just not hard enough on ourselves, right? So let's just go back and talk a little bit about, first of all, what I want to tell you is that studies show, and I don't know, they listed like 260 studies or something like, I don't know, some crazy amount of studies. Let me talk to you about the benefits of self-compassion and the, the, what's opposite of a benefit, the, the problemos that exist if you um, are more of a self-critic. So that's the opposite, the self-compassion or a self-critic, right? So people who can build self-compassion, have self-compassion for themselves, have higher life satisfaction, experience more wisdom, have more happiness, optimism, curiosity, social connectedness, and emotional resilience. They overcome depression and anxiety more, even if it's part of their family, like it's genetically predisposed, they overcome trauma quicker. Um, So somebody that is more focused and practices self-criticism is going to experience more depression, anxiety, rumination, I'm not exactly sure what rumination means. I should have Googled that. I should have got a definition for that. Brandon's going to get it for me and he's going to come on and he's going to read us a definition. Um, Perfectionism, disordered eating and disordered attitudes. Um, So you're kind of getting where I'm going. Brandon, do you have a definition for rumination? Yeah, rumination is a deep considered thought about something. Philosophical rumination about life and humanity is an example. Okay, so what they're saying is that when you're really self-critical, you're thinking about things and not being able to take action. You're they call the other word is paralysis is is that they use for rumination. So you can see, like all of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, wow, if I as a parent can learn how to practice more self-compassion, which I could very easily self-diagnose myself for being a self-critic, 100%. If I could practice self-criticism or self-compassion, I can probably teach my kids better self-compassion, both by modeling and maybe even by discussion. And this is where like this whole competing with ourselves, which can get really ugly can be strengthened. And then maybe we feel a little bit happier, a little bit more confident, 
little bit more like we belong, like we deserve to belong because we're not beating ourselves up so much. This is just a theory of mine happening right now. Okay, so there's three steps for um, self-compassion or three parts to self-compassion. I think they're really interesting. I found this in multiple places on the internet. So it wasn't just like one weird site. Um, I found it in multiple places. The first thing they talk about, most important thing is just plain old self-kindness. The opposite of self-kindness is self-judgment. So the focus would be on kindness and some suggestions. Let me just see if I can pull up the, some of the suggestions that were that I read. Um, some things that they talked about that I found was like come doing things that comfort, that care for your body, taking a nap, going for a walk, eating something healthy, doing something that you enjoy. Um, that's self-kindness. So that's kind of in that self-care category, but also write yourself a letter and write the good things about yourself. Give yourself encouragement. Think about some affirmations or some things that you can say when you're down and when you're discouraged. Talk to yourself in a soothing way. The other suggestion is some mindfulness, some meditation, learning some meditation skills so that like that whole rumination and perfectionism and doubt and anxiety that you can kind of like set those on the leaves and let them float down the river or however, you know, you choose to meditate. Okay. So that was the self-kindness and kind of setting aside the self-judgment. The second one I thought was really interesting. It's called common humanity. And it's kind of an awareness tool where you look at the situation and you say, oh, I'm human. And humans need sleep. And humans need, you know, food. And humans need friends. And humans aren't perfect. And people make mistakes. And this was my first time trying. And I did better than I did last time. You know, so this whole, like, Give yourself permission not to be superhuman. Now, this is one of the places where I really struggle because I do really wish I was superhuman. And that's kind of the standard that I like to hold myself to. All of the superhumans that I see on the internet, you know, I have a hard time just saying, you know what? I'm only one person. And so I can't do everything at once. You know, I have to be realistic with myself. And isn't that interesting that this huge component of self-compassion is allowing yourself to be human? Seems so simple, right? But do we do that? I have a really hard time with that. Um, Number three, I kind of touched on it, is mindfulness. Um, and this is really just like taking time to breathe, to be aware. And this is where you get this chance to like weigh the pros and the cons. You know, when I like to, I told you I lay in my bed at night and I think of all the things that I didn't accomplish. 
And I never even like give myself a pat on the back for the things that I did accomplish. And so in that mindfulness state, we have to do the and, right? We have to say, oh, crap, you know, I didn't get any of this laundry folded that's been uh, sitting here next to my bed for three days. And I did get those bills paid and I did weed those weeds and I was in a place where I could go get my dad's prescriptions. So, you know, like giving yourself credit where credit is due. And um, so I want to tell you about this friend of mine. And um, I think she's fascinating because she's so self-compassionate. I didn't know that she was self-compassionate until just like today or the last couple of days when I've been reading about it. Um, she kind of grew up with a difficult, some difficult circumstances and it made her have no expectations of being superhuman. In fact, every achievement was better than she expected. Or she was just proud of herself for finishing. She was just excited that she did th this or that. And, and that's how she views everything. Like she made it to the store and she made dinner for her family. And that was huge. Rather than thinking, well, I should have had all my meals prepped for the whole week. You know, like she genuinely is on her own side. So the other tool that we talk about, and this is kind of something that we have talked about here on the podcast that David talked about. And this is something that David has talked to me about. And if you go way back in our podcast in the very first 10 or 12 episodes, we called it best friending yourself. And I think it was um, it was interesting number the one of the things that that they talked that they talked about in several one of the websites that I read about self-compassion was the fact that our inner dialogues for most people, the way we talk to ourselves, we would never talk to somebody even that we hated. Um, our self-talk is pretty harsh. Like one of the examples is that this person walked into their kitchen and the kitchen was a mess. And she's thinking to herself, this place is such a disaster. I am such a wreck. I am so messy. I can't even keep this kitchen clean for five minutes. You know, and she started to think all these horrible things. And so, you know, you've heard us talk about guilt and shame, right? The, the minute that you start thinking that your messy kitchen is a representation of your character, that's when you're like, cue the shame, you know, bring it on down. And self-compassion takes away the shame because what self-compassion requires you to do is to talk to yourself like you talk to someone that you really love. Not someone that you just like, 
not someone that you have to be friends with, not someone that you're obligated to, but literally that person in your life that you love. And we all have somebody that we love, even when they're jerks, even when they make stupid choices, we love them and we would do anything for them. How do we talk to them? That's what self-compassion requires of us. It tells us when we miss the mark, when we make a mistake, we say, you know, but this is how you learn. You got to make a mistake in order to learn that you don't want to do that again. Or you did that better than you did it last time. I remember last time that was a mess, but this time, look at that. We did this better. We're on our way. You know, being on the same team as yourself. As we do this, we create this resilience in ourselves. It helps us to deal with our discomfort and deal with our pain. So then we don't have to like fit in all of these distractions so that we don't feel how mad we are at ourselves or how much we dislike ourselves or how um, critical we are to ourselves. What we say to ourselves genuinely matters. Okay, so I've kind of harped on this a little bit. And if I'm being completely honest, um, the light bulbs and the bells were going off like crazy because I realized at the end of the day, I'm not like in this comparison game. I really am disappointed in myself. I'm not disappointed in other people, you know? And I really, I just never knew about, like, I've never really thought about this concept of self-compassion, especially as it is in creating a power within myself to be more resilient and to be happier and to be more available and to be more open. Um, And kind of like anything, I'm probably more apt to work on something and make changes for my children to benefit my children than I probably am for myself. And I'm looking at my kids, every single one of them, and realizing that they would really benefit from more self-compassion. But there's only one place that they're going to get it. There's only one place that they're going to find it and learn it. And that's probably from me, from watching me. So here's my challenge to you. If any whistles and bells and light bulbs are going off for you and you're feeling like, you know what? Yeah, I can relate. I am hard on myself. I do feel like I'm not good enough. I do feel like I wish I I did more. I am constantly feeling like I'm behind. I, I, I do feel this drudgery and I do, you know, if you're feeling that, I want to encourage you to do a little Google searching yourself. Google search self-compassion. Read up on it a little bit. You're going to find out probably similar to the things that I've talked about. I want to encourage you to take a minute to then, after you've kind of learned for yourself and you've kind of 
maybe targeted in on a few areas where you could do better or you could try or you could start. I want to challenge you to share this with your kid, your kids, uh, your spouse, your friend, your sister, your neighbor, your discussion group. (laughs) And I want you to tell them that you are going to try to have more self-compassion and invite them on this journey of increased self-compassion. As you watch those people who are close to you try, and as they watch you try, you will learn from each other and you will benefit together. You'll be able to remind each other, hey, remember, you're supposed to use soothing words to talk to yourself. Remember that mistakes are just a stepping stool to your next achievement. You know, as we go into this year, this school year, this 2021 pandemic, unprecedented, unsurvivable hurricanes, you guys, they're calling this hurricane, Laura, unsurvivable. (laughs) And there's going to be, there's going to be devastation. We're going into this year that continues to have so many challenges. I guarantee self-compassion will make this difficult year better. And as we work on this inside ourselves, we're going to be giving our kids, we're going to be shining a light for our kids to grow And to better themselves as they work through this too. As we have self-compassion, we're not going to be quite so hung up on how other people feel about us and think about us. And, And we'll start to realize that we are good enough and that we are good and that we are worth it. And when everybody in your household is trying to have more self-compassion, What's going to happen is that there's just going to be more compassion in the household. I think this is my theory. I don't know. I don't have David to tell me if he's tried this out on other families. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll have David uh, come and weigh in on it, but I definitely think there's something here. And I think that it's something that could make a major change in our emotional well-being, in our distractions in what we achieve and 100% in the strength of our relationships. I'm really feeling it. So even though this is really hard for me to be nice to myself, to talk nice to myself, actually really hard. I might, I think this might be like a little hack. This might be, like a little hack to improved happiness and improved well-being that every single one of us needs. And probably a hack that tons of people know and maybe I just don't know. But um, nonetheless, that's the challenge that I leave with you. Um, I send this out to you listeners, no matter where you are, with tons of prayers for no matter what you're facing, no matter what our country's facing, 
no matter what the world is facing, that a little self-compassion is going to get us through this a little more self-compassion. Um, and you guys, as always, thank you for listening and thank you for helping us to light the fight.